Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. There are names like pineapple.com, which I own. Pineapple.com will never be used to sell pineapples. As a matter of fact, Dole reached out to me years ago and they offered like $35,000 or something, which is preposterous. And so, you know, pineapple.com is a seven figure name and, and I've turned down multiple six figure offers, but it's for sure a, a seven figure name. Having a catchy name for your law firm might be memorable, but in this day and age, it isn't worth much if you can't secure the domain name too. And if you got a great name in mind that you can't seem to find with your run-of-the-mill domain providers, chances are my guest today already has it and is waiting for your call. Be consumer-facing, because people right. are gonna screw that up. They're gonna go to the .com, when they type out the email address, they're gonna default in their head to .com, and so there's gonna be what we call email leakage. It's like a toll-free number. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? 800. Yeah. But 888-877-866-855. Like these all exist, but that's not what our brain defaults to. You're listening to the Rankings Podcast, the show where top marketers and elite personal injury attorneys share their stories about getting to the top and what keeps them there. My guest today is Braden Pollock, owner of Legal Brand Marketing. Braden's company specializes in lead generation using a host of perfectly optimized domains for offering a great way to supplement the organic lead generation of your SEO. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. SEO is all about the first page, and that's also where we like to start our show. Here's Braden Pollock, owner of Legal Brand Marketing. How did I become an entrepreneur? I guess because I couldn't really work for anybody else. I didn't, I didn't have a choice. I, God, I always had that, that fire in my belly. Ever since I was a, a little kid, I just never pictured myself working for other people. I, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I was in play production. You know, we put on those on the plays mm -hmm. in school and people would write in the programs about how they were going to become famous actors. And I would write that I'm going to graduate, go to college and then start a business. One of the focuses that I really want to key in on is, is your legal expertise and, and particularly the, the premium domain name side. So how did you get it started investing in these premium domain names? How did you notice the trend and, and like this opportunity to acquire these domains? That actually came from the marketing company. So when we started Legal Brand Marketing, we were representing DUI lawyers only, and they would come to us for everything. And this is, we're going back 16 years, right? So, so I was their internet guy. I mean, literally lawyers would call me up and ask me like why they weren't getting their email. And so, so we started building websites just, just because of demand. And so we would, um, we would take an order to build a website and we would acquire a domain for them. And that's just hand registering domain names. I wasn't even charging because it was $7 at the time and I'm charging them 
whatever it was, $4,000 for a website or $10,000 website. So I'd throw it in. And um, I came across somebody, I don't know if he emailed me or I emailed him and he had some really good legal domain names mm-hmm. and he wanted like a few hundred bucks a piece. And so I just reached out to my clients and I said, Hey, do you, you know, do you want these? And most of them said yes. And I just resold them for exactly what the guy was asking, like 300 bucks or 400 bucks. But the guy said, if you take them all, you know, I'll sell you the whole thing for $5,000 or something. And I collected most of that money from the names I resold based on this guy's pricing because I wasn't upselling. And it ended up with this small portfolio with extra names and kind of discovered this aftermarket that I didn't know existed. And then after a year or two, I had a couple of hundred extra domains that I had registered a few. And I talked to a friend of mine that was the sales manager for .tv. And so I called him up and I said, you know, you understand this domain stuff. Um, I have a couple hundred domains. Is there any way I can monetize them? They're just sitting there. They're all paid up for, you know, the remaining of the remainder of the year. And he said, park them. I'm like, what the hell is parking? So he explained to me, there's these parking companies. You point in your, your DNS towards these guys' servers. They populate the domain with a landing page. So somebody types in the domain name, a landing page uh, dynamically populates with ads, and then you get a, yep. a cut of the of the ad revenue, which was mostly uh, Google feed. And um, I was like, great. So I did that for a few months, and I had this, suddenly I had extra revenue. And then what dawned on me one day, I mean, literally I was sitting at my desk, and I was kind of looking at these domains, and I was thinking about it, and it struck me that, people that were typing in whatever the domain was, you know, uh, you know, dyvirginia.com. I realized those are my clients that I'm now sending to somebody else for 12 cents. And some of the, and sometimes I was actually, they're my ads. And so I would be charged $8 for a click. And then that click was, was actually coming back to me through my network. And I was, then getting my rev share, which was like 14 cents. And so when this, when this struck me, I then redirected all of those domains to appropriate pages on my website. And then, um, so, so now I kind of understand domains and there's this aftermarket and parking. And then there was a conference that was in LA, which is where I live. And so I went to this conference and discovered there's this entire world of domain investors out there and premium names, and there was an auction, and names are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. I sat in an auction for sex.com, and it went up to $9.3 million, and the guy said no and walked away because it didn't hit the reserve. I couldn't believe it. It ended up selling a month later for like $12.5 million. Wow. And so I was just fascinated by this world. I continued to buy legal domains and resell them, and as I was going to the conferences, then I started speaking at the conferences and it kind of became a fixture. Now I am the kind of the industry moderator. So I travel all over the world and um, learned about premium names. So not just mm-hmm. legal names, but premium uh, names being one word, uh, dictionary word.com names. In kind of being in the industry and going to the auctions, I learned about those and then kind of shifted my focus from the legal names to these higher value one word.com names. So here I am as a 
it's, it's kind of a side hustle, but it, it, it makes a fair amount of money. That's a great story. It's kind of interesting because I see a lot of these companies, but it's like, how did they get started? How, how did they develop their portfolio? And I just want to point out to our audience, we're talking about the cream of the crop types of domains. Just in the legal specific, you've got expungements.com, divorce.attorney, some just really premium domain names. And, and then on the, the other side, things like pessimist.com, you've got, you know, just all kinds of these just elite Not a one very good one. That's the that's one right. you picked. That's the yeah. <laughs> Let, Let's jump in to the practical use of these and the branding use of these. So how do they influence not only from the branding side, but also from do they affect SEO? I know Google said that they cracked down on, you know, the benefit of the domain names, but did they really crack down from an SEO standpoint, you know, the use of these, how do you see these being used by your, your buyers? So in domain investing, it's like really any other kind of investment alternative asset class. So there are categories. So, so for example, there's people who invest in livestock. I don't know the first thing about livestock, but I'm sure there are things to know. You don't just go in and buy a bunch of cows, right? There's different kinds of cows and different ages and different values and I have no idea, right? Domains are the same way. If we talk about premium.coms, there are names that what we call EMDs or exact match domains. So in your world, accidentattorney.com, that's a premium legal name. And I have a number of names like that. So that's an exact match. So it relates exactly to the industry. But there are brandable names. And there's a couple of kinds of brandable names. There are names that mean nothing, right? Made up words. And then there are names like pineapple.com, which I own. Pineapple.com will never be used to sell pineapples. Uh, as a matter of fact, Dole reached out to me years ago and they offered like $35,000 or something, which is preposterous and you know, right. Far less than I paid. Right. I think I bought my domain for something like that, like 30,000 rankings.io. And that's not even near the level of quality. Right. You know, pineapple.com is a seven figure name and and I've turned down multiple six figure offers. I mean, I think the highest is probably like 200 grand or something, but it's, it's for sure a, a, a seven figure name. And there are seven figure domain sales weekly. There are eight figure domain sales all the time, and I would say at least once or twice a month, they're just not public. Because who can afford to buy a eight-figure domain name, right? A company that does something else, right? And so they just bury it in their marketing expense. It's not what they do, so they're just not public with it, and they're almost all under NDA. I don't sell names under NDA. I always get that clause in the contract and I strike it and I send it back and the lawyer comes back and wait, you struck the confidentiality clause. I'm like, because it's, I'm not going to be under an NDA. I will not divulge who the buyer is because that's not meaningful, but I want the comps out there because right. I'm part of this industry and that's meaningful to me. And we always know who the buyer is because they start using the domain name anyway. But most big sales are under NDA, so we never hear about them. Uh, Voice.com sold last summer for $30 million and it was bought from a public company. So it was, it was released, but you know, they they didn't want to sell it. So the buyer just kept going up and up and up until Mm -hmm. they had to, I mean, it was uh, $30 million was more than their entire year's uh, revenue. So they had to say yes. Right. (laughs) 
So you've got the branding component, you know, it's easy to say one word, it's, it's stronger, it, it brings a presence and clout just to, to some of these, you know, some of these domain names. Well, it's and then memorable, you have, right? it's so memorable. You need, you need, need a word that is not necessarily descriptive, but it needs to be something that is going to be remembered. I sold packet.com for 350 to a big company and they were operating on, a, on packet.net and you can't, you can't be .net and be consumer facing because people right. are going to screw that up. They're going to go to the .com when they type out the email address. They're going to default in their head to .com, and so there's going to be what we call email leakage. It's like a toll-free number. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Eight hundred. Yeah. But eight 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 seven seven eight six six eight five five. Like these all exist, but that's not what our brain defaults to. Braden is absolutely correct. There are some patterns that we've simply been conditioned to use like .com or 1-800. They're so familiar, in fact, that whenever we type in an address or punch in a number, .com or 1-800 comes out through a muscle memory, regardless of dial code or domain name. But Braden isn't just in the business of buying and selling domains. He uses some of those URLs to generate leads for law firms too. So I asked him how exactly this side of his business can help attorneys like you. Let's say, hypothetically, I'm a St. Louis personal injury attorney and I'm looking to grow my PI firm. How does your organization help you know, me grow? Well, so what we do is we sell, we sell our leads based on practice area and geo. So it can be zip code, county, state. We have a lot of attorneys that buy more than one practice area because not everyone focuses. So you would buy St. Louis as a geo and, and MBA as the practice area. We also have personal injury and other related categories, but, um, but we break it down and then we sell just qualified vetted leads. And if it's a bunk lead, you know, dispute it. We will, we'll do what's called a post-qualification, make sure that it is a bad lead because sometimes it's not, sometimes it is a good mm -hmm. lead. So we, we call it, we, and if we get the, the client on the phone, then we just hot transfer it back to the attorney and don't accept the dispute. <laughs> I think there's a lot of lead gen companies that aren't trusted because they are buying their leads from God knows what sources. They don't vet those. They just run them through their system. And then the lawyers calling these leads that are just bunk leads, right? And um, then they dispute it. Then they get upset because they're wasting their time. And so we vet all of our sources because we deal with lots and lots of publishers and we accept the disputes if they're not good. And if someone Googled us now, I don't think you would find anything negative from anybody that's ever been a client. Yeah. So, so let me jump in here and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but let, let's, so there's some well-known lead generation companies, you know, there's four legal leads, there's thumbtack, there's no low, you know, fine law used to sell leads is, is the main differentiator where you vet these leads and you kind of, you kind of scrub the bad ones. Is that the main differentiator? Well, it's more than that. So it's a lot of sources. We have our own websites for generating leads, right? And then, and then we buy from, you name it. If we are buying from somebody that does not produce good leads, then we just stop buying from them, right? So we, mm -hmm. so if we si sign up with a new publisher, everything stays in-house initially. We pre-qualify those leads before we send them out. 
because otherwise we're, we're kind of blindly sending these unproven leads to our clients and we're not going to do that because it's our reputation. And so once that's proven, then we put them in our system, they do route to clients, but we get instant feedback, right? Because a client doesn't want to pay for a bad lead. So if we see bad leads starting to come from a particular source, then we'll take that whole source back in house and pre-qual them before we send them to our clients. It costs us more money, obviously, but it's our reputation. Right, right. right. So yeah, that's, that's more time for you to go back and vet them instead of the direct, direct source. And does your company offer, you know, territory exclusivity DMA, you know, because I know some of those companies I mentioned earlier, I'm not, again, I'm not going to throw any one of those under the bus, but some of those will source, you know, five, 10 attorneys, the same lead. And it's just like, okay, whoever gets it first gets it. You know, how how does that part of your business work? Yeah. So that, that company that would sell a lead 10 or 12 times, you obviously you can't do that. You know, they would sell it for $80, they would sell it for $2, right? Because they would retail it and they would sell it for $2 as if it was a backstop lead. Um, And they would just take anything, which is not sustainable because the leads themselves, the the people that are looking for a lawyer, they're pissed, right? When when the phone phone rings the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, they're mad, right? right? And so now if you are the eighth lawyer to call this person, they are not happy. And then that lawyer gets an earful. That lawyer then calls us saying, what the hell? You sold this lead eight times. I'm like, no, we didn't. We sold it once. Right. And that's true. But we bought it from somebody that sold it as many times as they possibly could. So those leads, those relationships, we killed those relationships long, long time ago. And, And that wasn't sustainable. Even that company doesn't even exist anymore. What we do is if we are buying from a third party, we are buying it exclusively. And, and that's, it has to be the case because we need to be able to control what's happening with this lead. It can't be like, well, they've sold it a few times. Like, no, for sure, we're buying exclusively. Now, with us, you can buy from us exclusively or non-exclusively. If it's non-exclusively, that means we will sell it up to three times. So possibly two other buyers, but you know this going into it. So that means you're paying us whatever the number is. You're paying us $65 instead of $95, right? You're paying less, but you're sharing it. And so now it's kind of a race to the finish. But everybody knows this going into it. If right. you want it exclusively, you can pay more. You want it, if you have, and look, and, and what we will tell lawyers when they ask, well, what should we do? Okay, well, who's taking these calls? Do you have a call center, do you have salespeople at the ready? Immediately respond to the emails, immediately call back, are there to answer the phones. You are going to close more leads. You can be competitive. You can share that lead. You don't have to buy it exclusively if you don't want to because you're gonna, you're gonna beat them to the punch, right? Being in business 16 years, obviously you've vetted, you know, the best sources. And my final question on this is, you know, how are you positioning this company for growth? Is it more about acquiring new sources for the leads and setting up those relationships? Is that the, is that the main component? I know you don't do the day to day, but, but overall vision, I'm sure you're highly involved in that. Yeah. A couple of ways. So we are, we're layering on a, a wholesale component where we are buying in much larger volumes. So we're buying it wholesale and selling it wholesale. 
And then, I mean, you kind of have to understand this industry. Everybody works together. No, nobody's an island in this space. We, we're all pinging each other. And it doesn't matter who generates this lead. It bounces around to everybody until somebody can place it. There are practice areas that have super high volume. And there are wholesale sellers and there are wholesale buyers. And um, we do both. And so we're focused on some of those larger volumes, but we also have a retail sales team and a lot of Legion companies don't, they don't retail. They don't have a sales team. They don't have customer service. They don't have, they're not charging credit cards every month, right? It's a different model. And right. frankly, if I was to start over, I might take that model, right? Because I've got this big team of salespeople that are calling lawyers every day, right? I've got customer service people and account managers and, and an accounting department. And, you know, I've got all of this overhead that other companies don't have at all because they, they just generate the lead and then wholesale it off and that's it. So we're, we're focused on building out this wholesale division. And the advantage is we can also pull from that and retail. And the salespeople can look at that wholesale volume and pull some of those practice and practice area NGOs out of that to retail it, which increases our margin. But the wholesale yes, margin is, is totally different, right? So it might be 5% or 10%, but in volume. Got it. Yeah, I love that. And then, so, and then layer, layering on more practice areas. So when we started, we were DUI only for years, just mm-hmm. DUI. And I was the first company to generate DUI leads. And we crushed the market. We built a giant website. It was a 40,000 page website when we launched and we just crushed everybody. And so no matter where you were in the country, you had to come to us if you wanted to compete because even if you were number one, we launched our website and suddenly you were number two. Now, SEO is a little bit different nowadays. It's not quite so easy, but we did very well at the very beginning. And then I bought some other DUI sites kind of popped up after mine and I acquired them. And so I just wrapped up that whole industry and then over the years, it's evolved into other practice areas that we've launched one at a time because it's, it's like going into a whole other industry, right? Just because they're lawyers doesn't mean like a bankruptcy lawyer doesn't know a DUI lawyer, doesn't know an accident. Attorney. Right. And so one, one practice area at a time, we roll out. The salespeople are out there making the calls or I'm a, I acquire a competitor, somebody that's, that's gotcha. in that space. So for example, we got into traffic tickets a while ago, the biggest traffic ticket provider was called Ticket Void, and we acquired it. It was easy to fold in, it made sense to, to start selling traffic ticket leads, and that client base, it was easy to upsell them with personal injury and criminal and auto accident and DUIs, mm-hmm. um, because most of those traffic ticket buyers weren't solely traffic ticket. And then the traffic ticket inventory that hadn't been sold, we were able to upsell our our client base that we're doing DUIs and auto accidents, et cetera. So it was a pretty good fit and I've acquired a few companies that way. Nice. Yeah. I like the acquisition strategy and mm-hmm. you know, in fact, it's, it's just an interesting strategy and uh, I've even looked at acquiring individual landing pages and do a permanent 301 redirect after they have that ranking. So that's a, that's a whole different conversation. So oh. yeah, I, I really like that strategy and yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about and that's how you get your, your margins to be able to sell these leads at a, the price that you're, buyers will will spend money on them because you know they have all these different ranges of levels that they can make these investments at you know so obviously i mean you've developed kind of this unique expertise in domain names and and selling leads and and the legal vertical and kind of angel investing you particular 
do you have a, a mentor that's kind of guided you or, or is it more business books related? What, who's, who's some of your mentors or some of your favorite business books? I'm reading uh, Blitz Scaling right now. And I've been working on that for a while. Mentors, God, they're, they're all over. There's no one really specific in the industry that mentors, it's more kind of broad. So there's a, there's this attorney that I, that I worked with for many years in another business who, you know, what's fascinating about him, really, really bright guy. He taught me basically to dig a little deeper. He was a guy that would just uncover stuff. He wouldn't call the expert to try to hire the expert that you, you couldn't hire. He would call the expert and say, who is it that you think, uh, you know, is really doing well in the field, right? And that, like, that's the person you can hire. He would just learn how to dig down an extra couple layers and taught me how to think of things a little bit differently and how, how to pay more attention. And that kind of thinking of applied to everything that I do. That, that's incredible. So that's like, that's where you're out in front on the domain names too. You know, I noticed that it, it wasn't just .coms that you own. You own the new top level domains, You, the TLDs, the dot .attorneys, the dot, the dot .lawyers and, and domains like that. But so, yeah, so, so here's, here's the funny thing about that is going a layer deeper. So uh, you mentioned divorce.attorney and I have, I have some, some names like that, some .attorney names that I didn't buy them. What I did was I did a deal with a company with the, with the registry before they launched. And uh, it's what's called a founder's program. They gave them to me if I was to promote the names because I'm known in the investment industry, in the domain investment community. So I built them out and so that they had names, they had websites that they could, when they launched their websites, they were already built so they could showcase them. They could announce to the domain industry that I had acquired a portfolio. And then I wrote that deal. I wrote my wife into it. Who's a well-known attorney. So she did some commercials. They sent a crew out to the office and, and she did some commercials with those domains. I've done other, I've been in other founders programs and sometimes, so I mentioned Q.org, for example, I bought a, a portfolio of single character.org names from the registry, never been released before. So instead of trying to buy stuff like this on the market, I just go straight, straight to the registry and offer them enough money and, and write a business plan and make a plea <laughs> and try to get them to sell me the names before they've been released to the public. So with .org and with uh, .attorney, I, I use that strategy. Wow, that's awesome. So, you know, you, you talked about kind of like your, your vision of seeing things and, and how you had this mentor where you dig a layer deeper. So what are your high value activities today? What, what are the actions that generate the most impact for your businesses? Probably if I stay out of the way, all of my companies have a general manager or president that I hire from within the industry. So these people oftentimes have more experience than I do. So legal brand marketing, for example, I started it myself in my a spare bedroom in my house. You know, I get up every couple hours and forward the, the leads manually because I didn't have a CRM at the time. But fast forward, the woman who runs that company, she's been with me for 12 and a half years. Like who knows more about this business you know, what she does every day, showing up at the office and dealing with the staff or me, you know, she knows far more. They don't, they don't need me now. Right now. We certainly talk about the direction of the company, but not the day to day, the uh, director of business development. He's been in the industry for 13 years. I was chasing after him for years to come work for me. 
took a long time. Well, is that a, that wouldn't happen to be old Andy Northcutt, right? Yeah, he's, he's definitely an A player, yeah. Right? So, I mean, everybody knows Andy in this space. And I've known him since he was, I think he was just out of college, and it was his first job. Um, he went to work for, for a guy that I knew, a competitor, but I worked with him. And so I, I knew Andy and all this time he's been in this space and I was always trying to get him to work for me. And so finally he made the leap. It took years. I had to coax his wife into it first. <laughs> so your high value activities, you'd say, is you, you find these A players, these integrators, and they implement your vision and then kind of take over the day to day. Yeah. And I have other companies that uh, I have an appointment later with, with the president of one of my companies that's been in, this industry, been in that industry for 40 years. 40. I can't compete with that. I would say that's a unique talent because most of us, most of us business owners, it's tough to let go and to let someone else lead, right? You know, it's the e-myth you're talking about, manager, maker, technician. I haven't read it for a bit, but it's like that last hat to become the owner instead of the manager. And that's where I think a lot of us struggle. So that's, that's a really strong skill and it's, it's not common uh, for most, I would say most business owners. Just to stay out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't do all the things that I do if I, if I was trying to control everything. And also finding good people, you know, frankly, it comes down to money, right? I mean, you, you just have to be willing to pay the going rate. I mean, I like to think I'm a decent guy to work for as well. I mean, most, most people that work for me stay around for years. And, and I think it's because I appreciate you know, the, their skill set and, and I let them make the decisions. And if they need me, right, they, they know how to find me and they can ask me questions. But otherwise, I need to, to trust that they know what they're doing. Braden is versed in so many areas of marketing and running an effective, scalable, and profitable business. I had to ask him, what advice he had for personal injury lawyers out there looking to emulate even a fraction of his success? I would say certainly don't be afraid to test people like yourself that do SEO. I mean, if you, if you sit back and do nothing, you're going to get crushed. And the only way to grow is to, to continue trying new things, whether it's SEO on your site or buying leads. And these aren't mutually exclusive. You certainly can't rely on a third party to provide all of your business. That's not a smart move. You should be building your website and have your own brand and be competitive on your own. But buying leads, it, you're, you're supplementing your business. To me, it's craziness why someone would not want to buy leads. I've talked to people where they say, look, I'm reallocating this money to you know my own website and I want to generate the leads on my own. I say, okay, I get that. However, you know these leads I'm still going to generate. They're not going to stop being generated because you've reallocated your advertising. Budget. Now your competitors are going to get them. So I'm going to now sell this to your direct competitor. So what's that cost, right? So really the answer is you need to do both. And the thing is that with what you do, that takes time. So somebody hires you and it takes you many months to get that website up and competitive right? With leads, we turn you on and instantly you're getting leads. We don't have, the campaigns were built years ago. You're going to get them immediately. That's pretty meaningful that I send you a lead five minutes after you sign up and now you have a real live client that you can sign right away as opposed to waiting months. So the answer is do both, but do 
something. Absolutely. Multi-channel advertising, they all kind of work together too. You start and that helps to build your brand equity. You start being known, you know, you have more money to reinvest in all your different avenues because ultimately it's all about attention and it's, there's ROI built in and that's why you have these systems to acquire these sites that generate the leads at a price that you know that your clients can still generate an ROI on. So it's a win-win. Yeah. So every single one of your clients, while you and I don't compete, right? Cause I don't do SEO and you don't sell leads, but you should be <laughs> upselling your clients. You should be providing leads to them, either buying and reselling them or referring them to someone like us. But every one of your clients should also be buying leads to supplement what they're doing with you. Even as an advocate for SEO, I have to agree with Braden that lead generation is a great way to boost your immediate leads while your other digital marketing strategies come to pass in the future. I'd like to thank Braden Pollock from Legal Brand Marketing for sharing his story with us, and I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Stryer. If you like this episode or have an idea for a future guest whose story you'd like to hear, leave me a review and tell me more. I'll catch you next week with another inspiring story and some SEO tips and tricks, all with page one in mind. Mm -hmm.